You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Right, hi everybody. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast, episode 241 here on Rocket Sports Radio, where we keep you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Chris G, and I'm sitting in for Michael Spinella for this week, and I'll be one of your hosts today. Today is Saturday, April 29th, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports. He has a lot of titles. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great, Chris. It's uh, great to have you back in the hosting chair. Um, you're fresh off covering the, the AHL playoffs, and um, it's kind of a good time to be a sports fan. You have the AHL playoffs, the NHL playoffs, which we were talking about a bit before we came on air, and uh, Carolina moving on, Dallas moving on, Vegas moving on to the second round, and the Bruins and the Panthers. Uh, I know Canadians fans uh, want the well don't want the Bruins to win, reluctantly want the Bruins to win to protect that um, draft pick, the 17th uh, pick of the, the first round. Uh, but last night, my goodness, it was just worth it to see Cam Neely's face <laughs> stunned <laughs> as he was with the Panthers' uh, victory and tying up that series. Yeah, that was a crazy, especially like third period. It was a very, uh, very tight game and it was very, uh, very entertaining a game between the the Panthers and the Bruins there on uh, on Friday night. Absolutely, and um, I mean, there's the NBA playoffs. Uh, F1 is back after their break. There's a sprint race today, so lots, lots uh, in the the land of sports. Um, but NFL in, draft and the NFL draft. That's right, exactly. Um, so, uh, but but today we're here to to focus on on hockey and the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm I'm thrilled to have you back here hosting the Canadiens Connection. Uh, glad to be here for for this week. If you're wondering where Michael is, well, we set him on assignment. He's trying to find Gary Bettman and persuade him to help the Canadians' chances of winning the draft lottery in the, <laughs> in the upcoming week. So, we'll we'll find out if he's successful or not in uh, in early May. In uh, coming up in today's episode, it will be a busy one. Even though the Canadians uh, weren't playing on the ice themselves, the season's over, but there was still lots of news surrounding the Montreal Canadiens organization. In the last seven days, uh, we'll be hearing from Canadian General Manager Kent Hughes, who who is at the U18 World Hockey Championship in Switzerland. 
In our big topic segment, we will be discussing the Canadians' most pressing off-season questions. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of uh, questions mm -hmm. heading into the Canadians' off-season. And we're just going to tackle a, a sample of them or else we'd be here, uh, you know, the whole <laughs> for three days addressing all the, the questions the Canadians have. And also in the last segment, we'll, we'll talk about our question of the week. But first, you know, a couple of uh, Habs, uh, Habs headlines. Uh, Quebec Premier Prime Minister François Legault, he's scheduled to announce on Thursday that Autoroute 50, which crosses Quebec from uh, the Outaouais to the Laurentians, will be renamed in the honor of Guy Lafleur. So a nice gesture to remember the Canadians' legend. Uh, last week, on last week's podcast, we talked about it being uh, the one-year anniversary, April 22nd, of uh, Guy Lafleur's passing. It, it's hard to believe it's been a year already. Um, the the naming of, of highways and, and, and buildings and things um, has official protocol, and that protocol says a year must pass uh, before you can uh, uh, sense the the passing, before you can uh, rename something, and and so that year has passed, and and we understand that uh, this week, um, as you said, the premier will uh, will make that announcement, um, and and it's it's um, perfectly suitable given that that the highway passes through. Uh, the birthplace of, of Guy Lafleur and Thurso. So um, I think this is terrific, and and uh, uh, I think it's going to be very meaningful for uh, the Lafleur family. And, and also just a reminder to check out uh, the notepad written by yours truly and also Habs headline throughout the busy offseason at uh, HabsHockeyReport.com. Uh, the notepad comes out every single uh, Monday. Monday mornings it's uh, published, so make sure you check out all of our social media accounts to uh, get that content or visit uh, the site uh, directly. It's time now to move on to the Canadian's Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. We're going to begin with a, a couple of Laval Rocket-related news. A couple of players that have Laval Rocket connections. Pierrick Dubé and Louis Boudon will be part of Team France, the World Championships, beginning on May 12th. That will take place in uh, Finland and uh, Latvia. Uh, Dubé started the season with the Trois-Rivières Lions in the ECHL, where he collected 14 points in nine games being before, before being recalled by the, the Rocket. And while in Laval... He collected 32 points in 44 games, and he was a key piece in the Rockets' playoff push as he finished the season with 14 goals and 11 assists, so 25 points in the last 26 games. So he was a key piece up front for Laval. And Boudon, he signed an, an ATO, an amateur trial contract, and he ended up playing only one game for Laval before being released. He was, when the Rocket needed help, when there was a lot of injuries hitting Laval and the Canadians. So he played one game before being released, and then he ended up playing three games in the ECHL where he collected uh, three points. So another two players, I guess, related to, somehow connected to the Canadians organization that will be at that tournament on May 12th. 
and we know we've talked about before, Sam Montembeau will be there for uh, Team Canada. And uh, well, we'll be we'll be talking about the the rosters for the rest of the teams uh, as we get closer to that tournament. And as Rick mentioned uh, earlier, Laval Rockets had their um, end of season media availability. It was actually uh, this time last week, last Saturday, where uh, Jay Fool and and a, a lot of players met the media for one last time before they they head to the uh, to the off season. You know, you could check out the Rocket Notepad, which was uh, published uh, earlier this week, where you could see, uh, written by myself, with uh, lots of quotes from uh, a lot of players, including the head coach, J.F. Wool, and, and Rick, he was asked about the roster going forward and what it will look like for next season, because we know in the AHL, the roster changes every year. It changes during the year. It changes weekly. It changes daily. <laughs> but in terms of projection, projection for next year, Jeff will expects a younger roster next season. Now, when he arrived, it was uh, it was an older veteran uh, roster, one of the oldest uh, this year. They're kind of middle of the road. Uh, Laval Rocket had an average age um, right in right in the middle, um, ab- about twenty four and a half years old. Next year, and I, I think this shouldn't be a surprise to Canadians fans that there's going to be an influx of young talent, um, of draft picks uh, arriving. Is Riley Kidney going to be there? Is Logan Mayu going to be there? Is uh, Jaden Struble, who looked pretty good, uh, I thought, uh, down the stretch, is he going to be there for a full season? So J.F. Wool looking for a, a younger, uh, looking uh, and projecting a younger roster. And of course, that's a challenge for the coaching staff because they they have to lean more heavily in teaching and development than than in um, preparing for, for the playoffs. So um, it, it's going to be it, it's going to be a change, but I think it's going to be an exciting change for Canadians fans. And there's a lot more prospects now than there was in the past in the Canadians in the yep. Canadians pipeline as well. So so that certainly forces the hand of, of it being a younger roster. But I still remember before the start of this of this season, like we were projecting Arbor Jackai to be with the <laughs> Rocket because of, but then injuries and everything changed the whole thing. And you know, and even Kent Hughes at the start of the season, uh, he had said I think it was Gooley, Harris, and Jackai, where he was saying that there would be a rotation. You know, and Baron in yep. Montreal. Oh yeah, and Baron. That's right. Sometime in Montreal, sometime in Laval, and they just kind of swapped them out during the season, and. You know, injuries, nothing, um, nothing end of that ended up happening it's except for Baron starting the season in uh, in Laval. And especially on D, it should be a young defense. Like even if we look at the, the Rockets' final game in the playoffs against the, the Utica Comets on D, you know, they had William Trudeau, Matthias Norlinder, and Jaden Strubel on left D. So that's a pretty young defensive, uh, you know, defensive unit. For uh, for the AHL, so we expect a lot more. At least Jeff Wool expects a lot more of that for uh, for next season. Absolutely. And uh, just a reminder to be sure to read the content over at AHL.report and also to listen and subscribe to the uh, Press Zone podcast, which is hosted by Amy Johnson and uh, Patrick Williams. And they're going to keep going as well during the off season, so you'll have uh, plenty of news on uh, on their end as well. Moving on now to over to the CHL, as the playoffs, they're still going 
in the they're they're in the semifinal in all three leagues in the the CHL, and while well, game one for most of the series began on uh, on Friday, let's let's go from east to west. Let's start with the Q, uh, the Quebec Ramparts. They defeated the uh, Gatineau Olympique uh, five to two, and Quebec leads the series one nothing with game two being on uh, Sunday. Uh, Riley Kidney from the Montreal Canadiens. He was held off the score sheet uh, in game number one. He finished at uh, minus one. But so far in the postseason, through 10 games, he has 18 points, four goals, 14 assists. You know, it looks like he's a playmaker for uh, Riley Kidney, but uh, he's had a good uh, postseason on uh, on his end. He, he's been uh, tremendous in the playoffs. Actually, all of the... Um, uh, the, the Canadians' prospects have been very, very good, and Riley Kidney um, among the best. Um, it's interesting. There was uh, an article this week, this past week, in La Presse, and, and uh, it's one I recommend you'd read uh, from Catherine Harvey Pinard, and if that name sounds familiar. It should. The um, sister of, of Raphael. Uh, and, he's, and it's titled The Hope of the, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, uh, of whom we speak too little, um, and yes, Riley Kidney is kind of in the shadow of others, but uh, you should get to know him because uh, we fully expect that he'll be in Laval next year and uh, is playing re- really well in the uh, Q playoffs. We should mention as well, Steph- I think it was Stefan LaRue um, who said that this is probably the, the best top four um, in the semifinals in, in the history of the QMJHL because all four teams have reached uh, in the regular season, reach the 100-point plateau. And, and Steph knows his, his uh, cue. So if, if uh, Stefan Leroux says, it's, uh, you know, you could take it to the bank on uh, on his words on that. Heading uh, over now to the OHL. OHL, it was game one of the semifinal between the Sarnia Sting and the London Knights. The London Knights were victorious 4-1 to one to take a 1-0 series lead. Game 2 will be on Sunday. Canadian's prospect, Logan Mayu, he was held off a score sheet but finished plus 2 in the game number 1. And in his postseason so far, 4 goals, 6 assists. So that makes 10 points in 10 games for himself. So for a defenseman, you know, a point a game in the playoffs, that's uh, that's pretty good. That's terrific. In the other OHL semifinal that we're interested, the Peterborough Peets defeated the North Bay Battalion 3-2 to to take a 1-0 series lead on uh, Friday. Uh, Owen Beck, he got two points, one goal, one assist on the tying and game-winning goal, if my, if my memory works is fine. He finished plus one, and in the postseason so far, he's gotten four goals and five assists in uh, 11 games. Um, Owen Beck's been good. Peterborough's been very good. And, and of course, we know that last week they eliminated uh, the Ottawa 67s and another uh, Canadian's prospect, that being Vincent Rohr. And if you want to know more about Vincent Rohr, we had uh, an exclusive interview in last week's podcast, Canadian's Connection, episode 240, where um, Michael Spinella sat down with a Canadian's prospect uh, to give a, a feature interview. So worth your time taking a look at that. Uh, there's still two Canadians prospects that, well, at the time of the recording, still haven't uh, played f- their first game in their respective semifinal in uh, in the queue. Joshua Roy and the Sherbrooke Phoenix. 
They're they're facing the Halifax Mooseheads. So the series begins on Saturday with a pair of games on Halifax, one game on Saturday and one game on uh, Sunday. Uh, Joshua Roy has 10 goals and 11 assists, so 21 points in eight games, and he's second place in the leading scorers in the queue in the, the playoffs. And then all the way west, it's the uh, Kamloop Blazers and the Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL semifinal. The series begins uh, on Saturday and then another game on uh, Sunday in the Seattle. Canadian's prospect Jared Davidson has five goals, eight assists in the 13 games. All these Canadians' prospects, the forwards, um, you know, Jared Davidson, 1.6 points per game. Uh, Riley Kidney, 1.8 uh, points per game. Joshua Wah, incredible, 2.6 points per game in the playoffs. Uh, they've they've been they've been dominant. Yeah, and and we're gonna keep uh, an eye on their progress here over on uh, the Canadians uh, Connection uh, podcast. So make sure you're you're tuned in and uh, and listen to the episodes to get updates on these uh, prospects. Let's move on now to our quotes of the week. Canadian's general manager, Kent Hughes, uh, he's along there with, uh, you know, members of the Canadian's leadership team. They're at the eight, U18 World Hockey Championships. And while the Canadian's general manager was interviewed by TSN's Brian Mudrick, who's there calling the games for the, the network, and he was asked a couple of questions, and the first comment ma- made by Kent Hughes was the importance of uh, completing a night test. Listen, we hear names all year long, and we, we're not able to kind of a, attach a, a game to them, so to speak, So other than watching on video. So it's nice to, to get see games live. I mean, it's one tournament, and we're going to trust our scouts, but it, it's certainly nice to be able to have the chance to see players. So uh, I think there's a couple of things in there. First, uh, the eye test is so much different than seeing players on video because the video follows you know, a number of, of uh, players around, but you, you, you miss what behind the action. So the eye test is important. But the other part of it is um, Kent Hughes saying it, it's only one part of the picture. Uh, he's there seeing uh, a tournament and seeing a couple of games, but his scouts have seen a whole lot more. And so he's going to trust uh, their judgment and take it all into account when they make their decision about uh, the upcoming draft. Yeah, and the eye test also allows allows him to chime in as well with his uh, with his opinion. So it's it's always better to watch a player uh, like with the with the eye test. And he has, uh, I should say that uh, Kent Hughes has some knowledge of this group. It's the uh, the the players born in two thousand five, and he said, "I have some experience because uh, he was in that uh, AAA league coaching uh, under sixteen year olds, Boston Junior Eagles." Um, and, and so he knows some of the North American prospects already, um, and is, uh, refreshing his opinion and seeing other guys that he doesn't know. Yeah. Probably scouting them also when you, when you're still, uh, having his agency for, for new clients. That's true. Um, so Kent Hughes was uh, also asked, like we, we've heard about the quality of this draft class. Obviously it's, it's highlighted by a Connor Bedard. Who's you know who's expected to go number number one? But uh, Hughes gives his comment on the overall draft pool. It's critical, especially in Montreal. It's not an easy market. Um, 
you know, we want to know, we've got to know the hockey player and obviously that's first and foremost, but the character and, you know, resiliency, people being able to deal with pressure and the things that come with our market, they're, they're important to us. So he's talking about the, all, the different qualities uh, that, that the Canadians are looking for. That includes more than, you know, the traditional um, skating skill, um, you know, grittiness, work ethic, all that sort of thing. Uh, more to do with the character um, because of the unique type of market that uh, Canadians um, uh, players are in. Um, he's, he said it's not a, an easy market to play in. You have to deal with pressure, and you got to figure out which prospects can do that, and and be resilient when things don't go your way. Um, if if they can um, if they can shield themselves, and if they can bounce back. And those are very critical, like you mentioned. It's very critical qualities to have when you're playing in a big market like in uh, like in Montreal. Uh, let's move around now for some uh, news and notes from around uh, the hockey world. Uh, the NHL announced this week that a, that a couple of teams, the Maple Leafs, the Senators, Minnesota Wild, and the Red Wings will play in Sweden in November. And also the Kings and the Coyotes will play two preseason games in uh, Melbourne, Australia in uh, September. So the NHL continuing their, uh, their global reach to, to expand the game. Trying to expand the market, also trying to, particularly playing in Sweden, trying to um, promote the the World Cup of Hockey, which hopefully um, will run in in 2025. Um, you mentioned the the preseason games, but it's it's interesting that the regular those four regular season games, those four four teams, uh, that will happen um, in mid November, November 16th to 19th. Um, Canadians not involved, um, but perhaps they can uh, take advantage of one of these teams coming back from the, a trip to Sweden uh, when uh, when they'll be a little bit tired and whatnot in, in their schedule. And I, w- I want to be the first to make a joke about the Coyotes and how the games in Australia will be better attended than the, the Arena <laughs> in Phoenix. My head's Cause possible. Because we know because we know when that happens, September, like everybody will be making that kind of joke. But I want to be on record saying I was the first one that made that joke. Why well, you were? <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, this week the Calgary Flames announced that they will be building a new arena east of uh, downtown to replace the 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 Saddle Dome. So I guess that's good news for uh, the city of Calgary and and their fans. Saddle Dome's second oldest um, arena. Uh, we even heard in some of the exit meetings players commenting on the facilities uh, how badly uh, that uh, the Flames need a new arena, and it sounds like finally they're going to get one. Yeah, that was a, an agreement as well. Like I know there's a combination of not a, it's not unanimous in terms of that some public money involved as well, but the, at this point the deal is uh, is then we'll be moving forward with that. Um, over now to Winnipeg. Well, the Winnipeg Jets on uh, Thursday, they lost their series against the Vegas Knights in five games. So Winnipeg won game one and then lost their last, the next four games to uh, to buy out from the first round of the playoffs. And well, post-game, Rick Bonus, head coach of the Jets, uh, he wasn't really hmm, happy with his team's <laughs> performance. This is going to be short and sweet, so let's get at it. <laughs> Thank you. 
No questions? Good. Just uh, overall thoughts on that one. What do you think? Overall thoughts? I'm so disappointed and disgusted right now. That's my thoughts. Where does the disgust come from? Pardon me? Where does the disgust come from? No pushback. But it's the same crap we saw in February. It was. That's why we. So as soon as we were challenging for first place and teams were coming after us, we had no pushback. This series, we had no pushback. Their better players were so much better than ours, it's not even close. It was like you've been holding these feelings on for a bit. Is it just yep. out of tonight's game or finally wanting to release them? It's, it started back in January and February. What is it about this team's leadership core that, or the top end players we've talked about? We got to push back. There's got to be a pushback. There's got to be pride. You got to be able to push back when things aren't going your way. We had no pushback. Their better players were so much better than ours tonight. They deserved to win. They were the better team in the regular season. They were the better team in this series. Anything else? Good. Thanks. And that was it. And and uh, I thought it was important there to play the entire. So you have context. The entire press, uh, the media availability after that uh, that game five loss. Um, and. And it's interesting that uh, today uh, is, uh, as we record, uh, the, the Jets have had their, their closeout day, the garbage bag day, the media availability. Um, and some players um, weren't too happy that their coach expressed this. But if anybody could say this, um, with his experience and seniority as uh, uh, an NHL coach, Rick Bonus could say this. And it's interesting that... Um, fans and media alike were saying, uh, hallelujah, uh, thank goodness someone has finally uh, pointed uh, to this. And and really, I think what he was saying there was demanding some accountability, um, calling out his leaders, calling out his his team. Um, and, and that, um, you know, this is something that he would have said many times, as he said, the, the same kind of... Uh, uh, play was happening in January and February. He would have talked to his players about it. And but it's um, to go through and and make a playoff push and and then uh, to to bow out as easily uh, as the Jets did uh, in the first round. Uh, this was a coach who was just angry and frustrated and um, and, and 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 really expressing uh, that there's got to be some change to the core and. And why are we talking about this? Well, there's a Canadians connection, absolutely. Uh, but this is this is the the first part that that we needed to uh, talk about here. And the fact that Rick Bonus is an experienced coach, like he's not a rookie coach trying to um, make a name for himself no. or anything. So because if it was a rookie coach, he wouldn't be. Even though he'd feel like he wouldn't be able to to say it, but Rick Bonus, with his experience that he's had across the league, you know, there's. Um, He's, he's he's able to say to make those kind of comments after after the series, and I checked the standings on February first. The Jets were second place in the Western Conference, one point behind the Dallas Stars, and then a month later on March first, they were eighth place, uh, basically barely holding on to a playoff spot. So it was quite uh, quite a dip for the Jets during the started in the month of February. All right, time to take our first break here on the Canadians uh, Connection podcast. Coming up next in our big topic segment, we discuss the Canadians' most pressing off-season questions. But first, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. 
It's NBA playoffs time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with a touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All right, welcome back to the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in the studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can drop a follow at uh, Rocket Sports on Twitter to follow uh, Rick. And you can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And... Don't forget, if you haven't already, subscribe to Canadian Connection Podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's very easy. And don't forget to leave us a rating as uh, as well. Time now for our big topic. So once again, the NHL entry draft will make a significant impact towards a rebuild of the Montreal Canadiens. We heard Canadian GM Kent Hughes, and uh, he's over in Switzerland with the hockey operation staff keeping an eye on the prospects playing at the uh, U18 World Hockey Championships. So we know that the draft is probably the next priority for the Canadians uh, for the uh, the offseason. And it's going to be a busy summer for, for the Canadians, the management and, and the changes that will be coming up that we're expecting to happen before the start of the next season. So we're going to tackle here a couple of the most pressing off-season questions for the Montreal Canadiens. The the first one, the the big, <laughs> I'd say probably the most pressing off-season question is what will Cole Caulfield's contract look like? And Rick, I'll let you go first. Well, I think it's it's definitely the the biggest question for. Um, Canadians fans, they want to see Cole Caulfield signed. They keep asking, when is he going to be signed? And, and they're concerned that it's taking some time. I have a feeling that it's kind of the opposite with, with Kent Hughes and, 
and the hockey ops staff and even um, Pat Brisson, I, I think they know it's going to get done. I think they have an idea of what it's going to look like. Um, and there's there's other things to do. You talked about the um, Ken Hughes over at the, the World Hockey Championships, uh, the Under-18 World Hockey Championships. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, um, but what's it going to look like? And you know, a number of, of folks have been saying, well, uh, Pat Brisson is the agent for Jason Robertson. Um, his deal is is kind of a mid-term deal that carries him into free agency, and they can see uh, Cole Caulfield doing that. I, I don't. I think that both uh, the Canadians and Cole Caulfield have said long. I've t- I've always talked long term. Cole Caulfield wants to be with the organi- organization long term. Why not uh, get it done? Why not do? You know, uh, um, a seven and a half million times seven or, or eight. Um, much like Suzuki's deal, it'd be a little less than Suzuki's deal, maybe, um, to respect that captaincy. And and um, but I I just I I just think I want to stress to calm to keep people calm because it's going to get done and uh, uh, it'll it'll be fine. I'm not concerned about it being done or not because I agree with you. Like I, I think like it, something will get done. It's just the duration of it. I think it's still up in the air. Stop in the air. Yeah. What's going to happen? Whether it'll be like a shorter deal or a um, a longer deal. And I might be reading too much into it, but at the end of the season, media availabilities. Cole Caulfield said that he hasn't proven anything yet in the NHL. Is is he? Did he say that because he's preparing to bet on himself, like, you know, take a shorter deal and and then, you know, try to get a, a, a more lucrative contract at the end of that? Is this something that the Canadians, like Kent Hughes or whoever's doing negotiations with Pat Buisson, is this what they're telling Cole Caulfield, you know, as part of a negotiation tactic, you know, that, hey, you haven't proven yourself yet, so maybe they're trying to lower down the expectations. But it's... um. It's it's still curious on the length. I, I'm I still have no idea. Like I have no gut feeling on what side it's going to end. Is it going to be a, a long deal, like eight years, or will it be something shorter? But I do believe that Cole Caulfield wants to be a Montreal Canadian. I'm not sure if he's if he if him and his agent are willing to sign that now, or they're willing to get. Cole Caulfield for some more consistency and get a, a more lucrative contract in a couple of a uh, couple of years. And I think your point is really good because Cole Caulfield was on a forty-five goal uh, pace. However, he hasn't he hasn't got there. He hasn't been above thirty goals. Um, he was he was very good, but he, as he said himself, he hasn't yet completed a full season in the NHL. Um, so that's going to come up in, in negotiations and, and also, um, his shoulder injury is he, we expect him to be the same player afterwards. Uh, but that's gotta be a question too. So those are all negotiating tactics. And I think that's why there's some nervous nervousness around, uh, w- within the Canadians fan base. Then uh, the next off season, uh, question that we, we were going to discuss is, Will the Canadians trade a veteran player? So there's a lot of veteran players with uh, some length, well, I guess various lengths of contracts on uh, on the roster. Uh, there was some hope that at least a couple, one or more would get traded that last year's trade deadline, which uh, didn't happen. 
But we have a list of players. Let's begin with uh, up front with the forwards. Uh, Josh Anderson, uh, he has four years remaining on his on his contract, and Cantu's has mentioned several times that he he receives a lot of calls about uh, the forward, and I, I I'm not convinced that the Habs want to trade Josh Anderson. I think it would take uh, an offer that you can't re- that you can't refuse in order to to trade him. I think the Canadians like him. Like I, I know there's some consistency issues with uh, with Anderson and his play, but you know he's he's a power forward. He's quick, and I feel like if the Canadians trade Josh Anderson, unless they get another power forward in return, that after they'll be going to look for somebody else to replace him. So then you might as well uh, might as well keep him. Yeah, I think that, um, a- as you said, uh, Kent Hughes has been quite open in saying that, that uh, the player that he receives the most calls about is Josh Anderson. He didn't quite get his price leading up to the, the trade deadline um, and, and he, with hope that there'll be more, um, more buyers uh, over the summer uh, in the offseason. Um, and I, we, we can't forget Josh Anderson's, uh, end of season media availability. Uh, he was snarly. Um, and, uh, he, he mentioned that, uh, he's in no mood for, for a rebuild. Um, so it seems that, you know, if you can get the assets, if, if he's the player that's going to deliver the most assets for you and, um, you know, it, it it might suit the player uh, best. I I think he's probably the most likely uh, to be traded over the summer. Uh, but you're right; it it would take a, a pretty uh, hefty package to, to to move him at this time. The next player on the list is Mike Hoffman, and and here, Rick, I'm I'm going to cheat a little bit. You know, like the question says, will can he trade a veteran player? And I don't think Mike Hoffman will start the season in Montreal, but he has one year left on his contract, right? So I, I'm I'm sure there's a team that might be interested in picking him up, but if that doesn't happen, the Canadians have another option to uh, to not bring him back, and that's a buyout. This is my the part where I'm cheating, <laughs> and the buyout, like according to Cap Friendly, will will would cost the Canadians 1.1 million this season. And 1.6 million next season, so it's not it's not a huge uh, impact financially against the cap because the Canadians aren't in uh, you know there's no nine cap issues like they're not maxed out so I think they could afford that type of contract and it also opens up a, a roster spot the contract spot as well for uh, for another younger uh, forward to take a spot. It's an interesting suggestion because I think he has become um, untradeable. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting that, um, I guess it was last year when Kent Hughes was asked if there would be buyouts, he said no. This, this um, end, of, end of season media availability, he was kind of noncommittal. Um, so possible uh, it, the, of anyone, uh, it would be Hoffman that uh, would be uh, would make sense uh, for a buyout for the Canadians. Uh, the next forward on the list is a Christian Dvorak. He has two years left on his contract as well. And this one, I, I did check the buyout option as well for Dvorak. 
it's it's not it's not as favorable as it is for Mike Hoffman. But regardless for Christian Dvorak, like right now with the current roster, he's still needed as a uh, for multiple reasons. One, as the third line center, and two, he's the only left-handed center that the Canadians have, and he was also a key piece on the the penalty kill. So un- unless the Canadians get another left-handed center, you know, I, may, I might be teasing a further question. Uh, the Canadians right now, I think they need Christian Dvorak, so I expect him to start the season in Montreal. I agree. Um, yeah, that what a disappointment um, he has been, but um, I, I think he, he'll be in uh, the starting lineup when the season starts. Uh, UL uh, Armia, he has two years left uh, on his contract. No, I think he could be a good piece in a trade, three point four million. Like you know, the production wasn't there last year, but you know, there's always the the potential. But I I do expect him to start the year in uh, in Montreal. I agree again. Um, the type of player who could make an impact in the playoffs, a possession type player, good on the boards, good in puck retrieval, um, and and can play, um, you know, up and down the lineup. Uh, but I don't think you'll see him move over the summer. Now back on the, on defense, a name that was out there at trade deadline, uh, Joel Edmondson. Um, you know, he was asked about it also at the end of season media availability about his his future. He said he he would want to be in Montreal, but he knows that it might not necessarily happen, and he might not be back next season. The his his back issues, like the the, the constant injuries that he's had over the last couple of years. I, I think teams will um, will not want to take the risk at the beginning of the season for Joel Edmondson. If he remains, you know, relatively healthy during the season, I think at the trade deadline is where he'll become interesting for uh, for a contending team. Yeah, I agree with you again. Um, Joel Edmondson was he said similar things to the as Josh Anderson about not really being terribly excited about a rebuild, uh, but he said them far more politely, far more. And he said he, he, he really loves being in Montreal, but obviously he would like uh, a chance at another cup and, and could move at the deadline. And the last name on our, our, our list is uh, David Savard. Uh, Savard, don't expect him to go anywhere. One, the Canadians don't have a lot of uh, right-handed defensemen right now on their roster and uh, you know we saw him all season like he was a good role model for the younger defenseman very very liked by the uh, the dressing room as well still has quite the contract left so maybe at this point not probably not that attractive as well for other teams as, as well so i expect him to start the season as well in montreal yeah he's been a good mentor and remember he won uh, the the molson beauchamp award if, uh, for the unsung hero so to speak um I think he'll be there to, to help uh, with the transition to this new, young defensive core. Now if we move on to Canadians' goaltending. So will the Canadians solve their goaltending issue this summer? And Rick, why don't you start us off? Well, this this, this is probably the toughest question and, and the most difficult to solve. And um, we, we've talked about potential solutions um you know any Peretz from the ncaa or victor osman from the ncaa as a free agent um you know is there a trade that can be made is is um is is there someone internal is it a Jakob dobis who joined laval at, at the end of last uh of the season 
Um, this one is is really really tough. Um, I I honestly don't expect any uh, any movement here, but um, but but you know Canadians fans I think for the most part understand that um, the, the solution isn't there's 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 players there's goaltenders who can can take you through the interim but there isn't a budding number one goaltender uh in the organization and and that has to change yeah i think for for this upcoming season considering where the canadians are in the rebuild process and stuff like that i think they're 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 fine like for like you said for for short term not for for a long term uh, goaltending solution uh but now at this point, uh, I'm expecting at least, sorry, not at least, I'm expecting one to three goalies to uh, to get traded uh, before the start of the season. Because, you know, there's Jake Allen, there's Sam Montable, and now Caden Primoz next season becomes waiver eligible. I I won't, I don't think the Canadians will take the chance of putting Caden Primo through waivers and potentially losing him for, for nothing. So, so I think one of the three will go at some point. Like, I, I don't know which one. Like, <laughs> you, you, you could probably convince me for all three of them. You could probably put up a good, uh, a good uh, case for all three of them. But I think one of them for sure is will be gone. And I don't think the Canadians will carry three goalies on uh, on their the roster. And losing a goalie for for nothing is not good asset management. And at least the impression that I have so far early on from the Hughes and Gorton at the management team is that they're going to try to get something for, uh, for at least one of them. No, I agree with that. And I, I saw some, uh, there was an article written in the French press this past week about uh, the likelihood of carrying three goaltenders, but I think that's kind of unworkable um, both for the, the goaltenders themselves and for the roster management uh, and and that's that's an entirely plausible um, outcome uh, heading into uh, the, the new season that that someone one of them uh, will be traded. Uh, the next question is: Will Montreal select with both of their first round picks in the in the upcoming draft? And and Rick, you spoke about it a little bit. That's why Canadians fans are uh, cheering for the Boston Bruins reluctantly here in his first round series because they want the Florida pick to be as high as possible. It's, um, I, I don't expect Canadians to use both their draft picks in the first round. I think they're, they're keeping their first one, regardless of what happens in the draft lottery. But uh, the, the, the second one, the Florida's pick, I think Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon will be shopping and will be shopping it around to see what what they could get, not only with that deal, maybe like a package deal as well, where you throw in the goalie, you know, wink, wink, <laughs> in that, and uh, try to get, try to get something out of uh, Florida's pick. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. They'll make use of that first pick, good use of that uh, early pick, uh, but I, I think they've been pretty clear that that uh, second first round pick is is up for grabs, and and. Um, They've given all kinds of hints, but I think particularly talking about how they want to be active uh, and how they want to um, not just use uh, draft picks to to select and develop a player, uh, but to, to use those uh, as as assets to um, 
to to accelerate the the rebuild as quickly as it can be as can be done. And that's a good time, Rick, to our next question. Can the Canadians, can't Hughes make another Kirby Doc type of trade like he did at last year's draft? I, I think at this point, um, everyone has signaled it. Again, Gordon, again, uh, Kent Hughes. Uh, they've almost promised that it's going to happen. It's going to be tough. Those kind of trades are tough to do to find that uh, hidden gem uh, and uh, uh, and make that kind of trade, make a Kirby Doc tra- kind of cr- trade. But uh, they've they've forecasted it a lot, so I think they they are setting up expectations with the knowledge that they already have targets in mind. Um, they probably already had discussions with uh, with several teams about the those kinds of players. So um, if this doesn't happen, I think we'll, we're we're all going to be disappointed. But uh, I, I think there's a pretty good chance it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I think also too that there's a very good there's a good chance that it happens. It might not be somebody who has as much impact as Kirby Doc, like uh, a former first round pick, but it, it's a good asset to the Florida draft pick. So I think they could they could use it, and you already have a young team where I think they could sacrifice a pick to, like you said, to try to accelerate the um, the, the rebuild. And we know the Canadians are looking to do that. They, they want to accelerate the rebuild. Then our next question on the list, how will the Canadians modernize the medical department? So the Canadians have set records uh, the last two years. So they set the record last year and then, well, they, they, they broke their own record this year for in terms of man games lost. It was, uh, it was, had quite the negative impact throughout the organization. It put players in positions and that they weren't necessarily ready for. And it was something that Jeff Molson had mentioned that he, he'd like to put a focus on and modernize. Is it, were they done? Were they still in the pros of doing that? But whatever they've done so far is, is not enough because a situation like that can't be repeated for the Canadians. And just like Kent Hughes said, it is end of season media availability is that they could put any plans on paper, but the amount of injuries that they had the last two years, they, they can't execute those plans with so many players lost. Yeah. And Jeff Gordon said that um, they would get busy at this um, um, and, and pull it apart from every different angle to see what it is that they could do uh, to make an improvement. I think Jeff Gordon, um, you know, he's done, done some things in to to change and to modernize um, we, we it's the obvious uh, one is with the analytics uh, but also in in um, uh, the team services area he brought in someone that he had known uh, quite well from um, the New York Rangers that's Alex case uh, who has really revolutionized the way uh, the team services and the team services does everything for players. Uh, including travel and accommodations and and getting families in. And um, it's just a a whole different modern way. The Canadians had been used to dealing with things a certain way. And I think the same kind of thing, it's going to take uh, a change in personnel. It's going to take someone um, with a fresh outlook to come in uh, because it's not only uh, how the injuries are 
are dealt with, but it's how they're forecast, how they're diagnosed, how um, the rehab goes, and 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 uh, the return. Um, there, there's, there's so many, um, mistakes made that, that I think it's going to take someone and it, this may not be done with a lot of fanfare. Um, you, you certainly don't want to, uh, embarrass the good people that are, are, are doing their, doing their darndest in their role already. Uh, but I think we're, this is going to necessitate some personnel changes, um, that, that we might see. And, and we know with Canadians personnel changes, that sometimes they kind of happen in the dark. Um, I was really amused uh, this past week when I went to uh, the hockey operations page on the Canadians website, and we've been we've been talking about it all year since since training camp about all these hires that have been made, uh, the scouts and 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 so on that really have never been announced or or posted. Um, Billy Ryan as as a scout, or Albie O'Connell as 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 a, an amateur scout, and and Gordy Clark on the pro scouting side. All of these these uh, appointments that have been made, and they've appeared now on the on the hockey operations page with shadow with silhouette pictures. So maybe by the start of this season, we'll get actual pictures in there. But they're acknowledging that that those folks have been uh, hired at least, which they didn't do early in the season. Is Sean Brooks still on the set? I haven't checked. <laughs> <laughs> no, finally off. Okay. okay. And in the medical staff for the Canadians, there's been like a lot of tenured employees who've been there for a really long time. So, you know, like you said, modernizing it, uh, changing ways, getting new perspectives uh, should help the Canadians in that uh, in that aspect. Our our next question. We we've kind of teased it a little bit uh, during the, um, the since the start of the episode, and with the Jets being eliminated on Thursday night against the Winnipeg Jets, the Pierre Luc Dubois talks have have resurfaced again. <laughs> well, did they ever stop? Yeah. Well, no, probably not. But you know they're still out there again, and our question is: Will the Canadians land Pierre Luc Dubois? Uh, b- before we, we get into it, let's hear first from uh, Sportsnet's Ken Weeb on a on his post-game podcast where he speaks about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' playoff series. Today was not just a symptom. It was a part of the disease today, what we saw today from the Jets kind of folding in this game. Yeah, they got lots of guys who tried hard. Ehlers, he didn't even tell us. He wouldn't be willing to tell us what the actual injury was. But he gutted it out. There's guys who gutted it out and tried their hardest. But there were some guys who were absolute no-shows in this game. And one of them is a player I have defended regularly on this program. Today was Pierre-Luc Dubois' worst game as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And it's probably his last game. So yeah, he, had about, he had about four shifts tonight that, like, isolated, looked like that last shift that he had in Columbus. Um, wow. I, I should say that Ken Weebing writes for Sportsnet uh, is probably the most calm and measured of any of the, the beat writers that covers the Jets. Um, and he was worked up about this um, and, and going along with uh, what, uh, what Rick Bonus had saw, that, that there was just no effort, no pushback uh, in, in their, the, their final game of the playoffs. Um, but he went further, and to say that that uh, Pierre Luc Dubois was probably his worst game uh, as a Winnipeg Jet, um, we saw that he was 
uh, a spectator. He was on the ice for three uh, even strength goals by by Vegas. Uh, he was a spectator on each of those, uh, along with Kyle, not the only one, Kyle Connor uh, um, as well. Um, and and just uh, looked completely disinterested. And as uh, Sean Reynolds uh, again um, uh, chimed in at the end, there saying he looked exactly um, in in a few shifts the way he looked in Columbus. And remember those those viral uh, videos from um, the way he looked in in Columbus. Um, and and these guys weren't the only only ones. Murata Tez said exactly the same thing. Jeff Hamilton, another. Um, uh, writer, uh, they, they all uh, said that um, that Pierre-Luc Dubois, and, and not just him, but, but uh, many of the Jets uh, looked, uh, just, just weren't interested in playing that game, and that's what Rick Bonus was getting to. Now, um, depending on what, what camp you're in, and there seems to be two distinct uh, camps with respect to Canadians fans, um, one camp looks at this news and says, uh, uh, great, um, he, Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't want to be in Winnipeg anymore, doesn't want to play in Winnipeg, and he showed it, didn't want to be in Columbus, so let's get him and let's get him cheap uh, in Montreal. And the other group says, why do we want a player who gives up when things don't go his way? Um, and questions work ethic and whatnot, and and the two are battling it out. <laughs> the two camps are battling it out on social media right now. But this is, um, I don't know if it's if it's the most pressing question for the Montreal Canadiens organization, but it's certainly the most pressing question of the Canadiens fan base right now. And you know they say where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, Elliot Friedman has mentioned. A- several times I think during the season I think one time he even throughout was it 90% or 95% chance that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois will, will end up with the Canadians at some point so I'm in the camp that Pierre-Luc Dubois will end up in Montreal I just don't know when it's going to happen but I'm thinking at this point it is going to it's going to happen at um, at some point you know he finished a series in um against the Golden Knights with four points in five games, you know, one of the goals, a game-winning goal, a power play goal, and, you know, he even scored a goal, ended up not counting because of a hand pass that, that was 30 seconds earlier. But even for that disallowed goal, you know, he was he, he was at the blue paint and he got that puck and he, and he knocked it in. And, you know, for, for people saying, like, why, why would the Canadians want him? Like he's he's proven that he could produce in the NHL. Like not you know maybe not elite, but like this season finished with 27 goals and 36 assists in the regular season. In terms of goals, it would put him first. Obviously, if Cole Caulfield would have had a healthy season, Caulfield would have scored more goals than Dubois, and he finished second in points. Uh, he would he would have been second in points right behind uh, Nick Suzuki. And it's the same thing for. For, for last last season as well, so he's he's proven that he could produce in NHL like at least a good twenty five goals consistently. In and going back, I guess to the question, will the Canadians land Pierre Luc Dubois? Is it going to happen this off season? Like he's a he's a restricted free agent, right? So he can't really go anywhere to his liking unless a team does an offer sheet, which you know 
I sincerely hope the Canadians don't go that route <laughs> if they want to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, especially since they announced what the, 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 the competition would be and it would be some crazy competition for if the Canadians went that route. So that's I don't see that happening. And on Friday's uh, 32 Thoughts podcast, you know, uh, Friedman and Jeff Merrick said that there's there's possibly teams that are interested in acquiring him, even if it's for one season. So that's another option where he goes another team and then eventually he either gets traded at the deadline to the Canadians or next season's off-season move. But I'm thinking, Rick, like now it's just a matter of time before Dubois lands in Montreal. Like I think we shouldn't be asking ourselves whether Canadians should get him or not. I'm convinced in my mind that he's going to end up a Canadian. I just don't know when that will that will happen. Well, we should address, um, he's one year away from unrestricted free agency. And there's plenty of fans out there that say, what's the hurry? Why not wait the year and just let him walk to the Canadians without giving up any assets? Uh, the problem with, with, there's two problems with that. One is, um, why would the Jets let him go for free? They gave up a ton uh, to get him um, in Patrick Lina. Um, and... Um, I, I don't see I don't see the Jets letting the, they they've been in this situation before with Jacob Truba um, and they were able to to trade him and and get a haul uh, for him um, I don't I don't see that scenario happening I think it's pretty unrealistic so um, what about trading for him uh, this summer as you said a, a restricted free agent um, it's well, uh, it was Elliot Friedman, you mentioned Elliot Friedman, that uh, said that there have been conversations already throughout this season between the Canadians and Jets in trying to make a, a trade happen. And Elliot Friedman, in, in his most recent 32 uh, Thoughts podcast, uh, mentioned the name. He said if it was the ask, um, Elliot suggested, uh, is uh, Kirby Doc, and said if it was that simple, if the Canadians saw this, as, as a simple, um, you know, center-for-center center, uh, trade. It would have already been done. Um, yeah. Now, Kirby Talk uh, is is a success story for uh, Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes, so I can, I can thoroughly, you know, understand why they wouldn't want to go that way. And, and you know, there's, there's some school of thought that, that says that Kirby Doc is the kind of player that you want, that has the work ethic that maybe Dubois is, is missing. We... You know, um, again, I refer to Murata Tez, who said that uh, this past season, uh, Dubois had a terrific start to the season and then completely disappeared for two months. Uh, he used the, the words two months. So uh, is that the kind of player that 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 you want, uh, especially if you have to give up such an asset? And the other issue, the other part of that is that that this isn't between Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Montreal Canadiens. There are 32 teams in the NHL, and uh, Elliot Friedman said, uh, or maybe it was Jeff Merrick that said, there are at least uh, five other teams who have expressed interest to the Jets. So this isn't a situation where the Canadians can, um, you know, go after a player who has publicly, uh, or at least his agent said, uh, uh, that he would like to play for Montreal. Uh, apparently, Jeff says that um, Dubois would be interested in playing for a, a, a handful of other teams and that at least five uh, teams have inquired 
about uh, obtaining the services and and some as you, as you said for uh, a one year time span so this is this is really comp- this is very complicated um and and that that last game i think has only uh, complicated it even further given dubois performance um and um you know it's it's going to be it's going to be something that continues uh, throughout the summer um, and and I think people are only going to get be getting more entrenched in their opinions about pro Dubois or or, or uh, no thanks Dubois. I, I agree that it is complicated. And if the Canadians absolutely want Dubois, like that, you know, he's a must-have, then they need to make something happen this summer because there's also the option, like you said, like if he goes to the team for one year, what if he ends up liking? Where he where he ends up and he signs with them, and then the Canadians are are left out of the the picture. You know, Canadians have an extra goalie. They have you know, uh, Christian Dvorak throwing the left defenseman and bam, there's a trade. <laughs> Only if it was that simple. Eh? Well, that's I I and we see all those kinds of of suggestions on Twitter. The send Yol Armia. He he played there before. So you know, send Dvorak. Send, but the the if the uh, Winnipeg Jets are going to break up the core. If they're going to have Mark Shifley move on, if they're going to have Pierre-Luc Dubois move on, that's, t- that's their top two centers. Um, and they're going to be asking a steep price. And, and I think somebody's going to pay it. Yeah, uh, I agree as well. I'll make another prediction before we head to break. I'm sure that <laughs> the name of Dubois will come up again before the start of the season on this podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, time to take our final break here on the Canadian Connection podcast. When we come back, our question of the week, and I'll make another prediction. I think the name of Dubois will come up before the end of today's episode. So stay with us. You're listening to the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadian's Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com i bet you enjoy sporting your best habs jerseys dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest habs gear and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink well don't just show your friends show your habs the team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects. Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 241 of the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. I'm Christy along with Rick Stevens. Uh, now, in, in this in our final segment, just a reminder, you know, to head over to habshockeyreport.com where you'll find the notepad every Monday, written by yours truly, and also our Habs headlines throughout the um, the week and feature articles from the uh, rest of the Rocket Sports uh, team uh, written as well. Uh, a, f- a reminder also to subscribe to our YouTube channel at All Habs, where you could find the Habs Hockey Report hosted by Amy Johnson. And uh, Amy, throughout the season and during the off-season, tackles a, you know several subjects related to Munchuck names of our Rocket prospects. Etc. It's always fun videos to watch, so make sure you head over to our YouTube channel at Ahabs and uh, subscribe, leave a comment, like, and um, also don't forget to share as well with everybody you know about the great content available on our uh, platforms. And also don't forget to subscribe to Rocket Sports Radio, our podcast on your favorite podcast app, The Press Zone hosted by Amy Johnson and uh, Patrick Williams. You can uh, head over to thepresszone.fm or your favorite podcast app and uh, like it, leave a review, rate it, depending on what the app is. But whatever you do, make sure you you share that with everybody. And the same thing for this podcast, The Canadian's Connection. You can also find the links at thecanadiansconnection.fm. Time now for our Canadians Connection question of the week. The topic, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I projected that <laughs> we'll be talking about him again before the end of today's episode. And while the question is very simple, have you changed your mind about the Canadians acquiring Pierre-Luc Dubois? So Rick, in our last segment, mentioned on how you could be a different camp about how you feel about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Did what happened in the last 10 days or a week, I should say, in a series against the Vegas Knights, did that change your mind about the Canadians trying to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois? Well, um, I've always been of the mind that that it's going to depend on the ask. And, um, you know, if if it's Kirby Doc, it's, it's a hard no uh, from me. Um, but I think... I think that uh, fans, uh, you know, having an open mind, um, you know, processing some of uh, this new information, listening to uh, folks from Winnipeg who know uh, the situation best, uh, and and having their own questions, and and uh, of course, uh, you know, when the opportunity comes available, that and it doesn't come available that often that a player says, "I want to be in Montreal." You want to listen hard, and and. And you want to um, hopefully that that the uh, hockey ops people in in for the Canadians uh, deal with this in a rational and not an emotional manner. So, 
Um, I think it's I think it's absolutely normal and right. And and uh, if if fans are changing their minds one way or the other, or back and forth, uh, and struggling with this because it, it isn't uh, a simple issue. And Rick, my advice for for the listeners is if you're going to go ask a Winnipeg Jets fan for their opinion, wait at least a week. Wait until the <laughs> yeah, best no, settles. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely <laughs> it's, it's, right. Yeah, or else you'll, you'll probably get uh, the same reaction like we heard from Ken Weeb and Sean Reynolds earlier. Let let the dust settle a bit. <laughs> let them calm down, and let them have on a fresh mind and uh, and then get their thoughts on it. True. And Rick, why don't you tell our listeners how they could uh, re- answer the question? Well, what uh, you you should do is uh, we make it easy for you at Rocket Sports. We've set up a Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Uh, text us your message um, 24 hours a day. Uh, just let us know where, who you are, uh, your first name, and, and uh, where you are. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get some of your responses on the air. Uh, in addition, you can go to... Uh, our Habs Connection, at Habs Connection Facebook page, uh, and uh, share your comments there. Or send us an email, if you have a little more to say, at, uh, here it is, hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. So looking forward to to all the interactions from our listeners following our discussion uh, today and everything that's happened over the last uh, week or so. An important date coming for the Montreal Canadiens. We're getting closer and closer to the big date on May 8th is the NHL draft lottery. That's when we'll find out uh, what position the Canadiens will draft in uh, the first round. And we'll, we'll, that's a date also uh, we'll see if Michael will succeed with his mission of convincing <laughs> or persuading Gary Bettman to give the Canadiens the, the first pick overall. If not, Montreal has an 8.5% chance of uh, winning the lottery and, well, you know, and, and selecting Connor Bedard at number one. I think it's safe assumption that he'll be going number one. And uh, even beyond Bedard, this is uh, a very talented draft. Uh, so the Canadians, if picking in that top five, are, uh, have a, a great chance of getting a, an impactful player um, for their for the rebuild. Our next episode of the Canadians Connection podcast, it will be on Saturday, May 6th, as we'll be getting closer and closer to that big, uh, big date there of uh, the May 8th. And as you mentioned, make sure you subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps and share it on social media. Let everybody know about Rocket Sports Radio and all our uh, podcasts. My name is Chris G. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Rick, for welcoming me back in this chair for one week. Uh, Chris, I, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, you just completed uh, your fifth year uh, covering the Laval Rocket in person, and, and uh, we look forward to uh, all your reports uh, over the summer and, and into your sixth year. Uh, sounds good. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Canadian's Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. We'll talk to you again soon. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.